Would you like to see the roots of your Christian faith? Follow Jesus' footsteps and marvel at the places where biblical prophecy is unfolding? Well, you can this summer. Join me, Bill Bunkley, and Pastor Ralph Yankee Arnold on our pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan. You'll learn Israel's history from our guide, Boaz Shalgi, prophecy from Pastor Yankee, and biblical teaching from me. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A $700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com. Or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. Born to die That He might give Eternal life That I might live And turn my darkness Take your Bible, turn to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. 2 Peter, chapter 3. I love teaching through a book, because you can always tell where you're going to go next. You know what you've covered and what you've got to cover yet, and it makes it uh, a lot easier. It doesn't mean you don't have to study the Scriptures, though. You've still got to study a little bit and kind of... Uh, I've always tried to stay just one step ahead of the congregation, you don't have to be smart as the world. Just stay one step ahead of them. And then, because sooner or later, if you take, don't take it, they're going to catch you. So you're always wondering if you're going to teach them enough and they're going to know more than you know. Well, you always want the people to learn the book, to learn God's Word. Anyway, Second Peter chapter 3 talks about several places about the promises of God. Remember in chapter 1, it talks about the divine promises the precious promises of the Lord. See there in chapter 1, just look at that verse, where it talks about the precious promises of the Lord. And uh, there's a precious faith, and there's a divine power. And in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now, one of the greatest promises that God said would take place is the one that He is coming back again. You see there in um, uh, verse 4, where he says in chapter 3, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? In other words, even the world knows that Christ promised to come back. And they've heard it all over the place that Christ is coming. Somebody told me today that uh, Christ came back and raptured out some church. So there's always somebody, but remember, when, when Christ comes and takes us out of here, it, 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 will, uh, it will be quite a, a deal. But anyway, he's talking about the promises of the Lord. Where is the promise of his coming? He calls the promise he's coming back. But the Bible tells us these are precious promises, great and precious promises. Now, he kept the first promise about him coming, just like he said. Now he says he's coming back again. But he says there's going to be scoffers in the last day, mockers making fun, that he's not going to come. But Jesus is coming back, and he could come back at any time. He could come back today. And the Lord 
has designed this in such a way that we would always be thinking about him coming back at any moment. Any moment. So if you don't believe he could come back at any moment, you have something wrong in your theology. He is, and he did promise. But now notice what he says. Here in uh, verse 4, where is the promise of his coming? Uh, I also want you to take your Bible, look there in 2 Peter chapter 3. And look in verse 13. Nevertheless, we according to, and here's those two words again, his promise, his promise. We're supposed to believe the promise of God because what we believe about his promises makes a difference on how we live. That's why he says in the last part of that one verse, see in verse 11, chapter 3, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? What kind of a person should we be in this life because of his promise? But when you lose sight of his promise, you lose the motivation for living godly. You have to believe that it's true. I am going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. That is a truth. That's a promise. And that I'm going to have to give an account. That's a promise. So we have an appointment, and we're going to keep it. Uh, it was interesting. Um, on Friday, I was asked if I would go to a, a little Bible study. So I, I didn't know the guy. never met him before, but he called up. and Anyway, he wanted to know if I'd come over. He had about three or four guys that would get together, and I said, sure, I'd love to come. So Friday, about 1.30, I met with them, and we talked a good hour. And uh, it was uh, like a lunch break time for them. And anyway, they uh, all believed that you could lose your salvation. Now, you know right off the bat, they don't understand the gospel. And so they, because they believed that you could lose your salvation. And so it was very interesting that uh, I, I took a $20 bill out and I gave it to one guy. I said, would you keep this for me? So he took the $20 and he was standing there with the $20. I says, now, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, means that I put myself into his hands for him to keep me. Now, I can't lose me because I don't have me. The one who is saving me can lose me. And I just gave him $20 to keep. Now, I can't lose my $20 because, see, I don't have $20. He has my $20. I says, now, if he can lose my $20, that's different. I says, but now, can Christ lose me? He gave me his promise. He will never cast me out. He will never lose me. And nobody can pluck you out of his hand. I says, so I feel pretty safe. So then, of course, they got on to about, you know, why we should serve the Lord. I said, there's a difference in trusting Christ as Savior and serving the Lord. I said, you always keep those two things separate. I said, I trusted Christ as my Savior 49 years ago. I don't have to do it again. I have been saved. And he said, well, don't you have to serve him? I said, no, I don't. Well, what about all those verses that says about serving the Lord? I said, yeah, but not to be saved. I says, I've got three children the hard way. He says, how do you get three children the hard way? I says, one wife. <laughs> I says, now, when those children are born into my family, they're always my children. And I says, I'll never cast them out and never lose them. They're my kids. 
I can't unborn them. I tried. Not really. I said, they're always my kids. I says, but I says, can I ask you a question? He says, sure. I says, do you have any children? He says, I got five of them. I says, did you tell them how to live before they were born or after they were born? He didn't like that. He didn't like that. I says, you don't tell somebody how to live till they're born. I says, so we're talking about being born. I says, being born into God's family is by faith alone. And I says, is there anything you could do between now and the time you die that could keep you from going to heaven? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I says, then you don't know where you're going when you die. I most certainly do. I says, no, you don't. You just said you didn't. I says, if there's something you could do that could keep you from going to heaven, you said yes. I says, no, you're not God. You don't know you're going to do it or not do it, do you? Well, I have no intention. I said, I'm not talking about that. I said, the possibilities. I said, so if you could lose it in the future, I said, why would you lose it? Because of God or because of you? Well, and and so we had a good argument. We argued good for about an hour. And uh, I was uh, at a restaurant yesterday, and I uh, had this waitress come up there, and I was eating me a little bowl of oatmeal. I like to eat oatmeal. Oatmeal is good for you. At least once a day. Anyway, she came up to the table and I, uh, I says, ma'am, I says, um, I'm going to be looking at you about a little over a thousand years from now. We're going to be seeing each other again. She looked at me. I says, in about a little over a thousand years, we're going to see each other again. And I says, that uh, would really, really help me out because I'm going to have to give an account of why I never told you how to have eternal life. And I says, it would only take a minute. I says, it would really take a burden off my, my shoulders. She says, I got a minute. So they had a little thing there with the, all the sugars in it. You know, the sweet and lows on it. I said, let this represent sin. And I went through and explained the gospel. When I got through, I said, does that make sense? She said, yes, it does. I said, well, you trust Jesus Christ right now as your Savior. She said, yes, I will. I said, boy, you have really took a load off my shoulders. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. So uh, anyway, it was just an, a way of opening the conversation because, you know, you don't know how much time you're going to have. But it's because you've got some promises in the Word of God that it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it. So anyway... He says, what kind of a person are you supposed to be? So we know there's promises that God has made. There's people that don't believe the promises. But you and I are supposed to. And he says, watch out for the mockers. Because they'll cause you not to believe the promises of God. Not to believe what God's word said. So look there in verse 1. He says in verse 1, The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. And both what I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. See, like I said before, sometimes the preacher doesn't have to give you something new all the time. Because they say if it's new, well, it's new and it's not old. If it's old, it's not new. So anything that you learn has already been in the book for 2,000 years. So any great truth you learn from the Word, it's already been there 2,000 years old. But we're supposed to be reminded. So the preacher likes to take the pot and stir it, stirring up your mind. Trying to get you to think about the things that are important. Otherwise, did you know that if you didn't go to church and Sunday school and 
study the Word. Did you know you drift little by little, but you don't even know what's happening? You drift slowly. And after a while, you don't even know where you are. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you stand for anymore. You don't know what you believe anymore. Stay faithful. So he says in verse 2, that you may be mindful of the Word. You see there in the one word, uh, the mind, to stir up your remembrance. The mind is where the battle is. There is a battle for the mind. And so whenever a false teacher gives you a false message, he's trying to get your mind. The Lord is trying to get your mind. Um, look there in 2 uh, Corinthians in chapter 10. I, I want you to see this. This is a, a very good verse. 2 Corinthians in chapter 10. 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, look there in verse 3, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, or it means in the body, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, we don't fight our battles, the spiritual battle God's talking about, with guns and tanks and all that. He says, in verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. But where are these strongholds? Look what he said in verse 5. Casting down imaginations up here in your mind. Casting down imaginations, and get this, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So the reason you study the Word of God is because you can't trust your mind. You can't trust the way you think. You can't trust your logic. And a lot of people got that. Everybody's got opinions. They're like armpits. Everybody got them. They all stink. Then you have the Word of God. So you study the Word of God so that the Word of God can find all of these imaginations and these strongholds that lead you astray, and it can take all of those things and cast them down. Look what he says. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If it's against the knowledge of God, you don't want to walk that way. You don't want to believe that way. Get this. And bringing into captivity every thought. That's your mind. In other words, to capture my mind. To capture my thoughts. Where I can think about the things that God wants me to think about so that I can do the thing God wants me to do. And get what he says. In the captivity, every thought to the what? Obedience of Christ. So we study the Bible so that we can get this other junk out of our mind and think about what God wants us to think about so that um, we can have victory in our Christian life. Bring it into subjection. Let's see what he says in verse 6. And having in a readiness to revenge, revenge all disobedience. How do you revenge disobedience? When your obedience is fulfilled. You see, when you do what is right, you just took vengeance upon your disbelief. Upon everything and every thought that was against God. Your obedience to God takes its revenge against that which is wrong. So that's why your mind is so important. Go back here to 2 Peter chapter 3. So we know that um, he says, I want to stir up your mind. In verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments as of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. 
knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, mockers, people that will make fun of you. Now, if you try to witness on the job, you're going to have people that's going to mock you a little bit and make fun of you. Some people can't take the heat, so they stay out of the kitchen. Some people just revel in it. You know, people say, well, there's two things I never argue about, and that's religion and politics. That's all there is. One's how you think, and one's how you live. That's religion and politics. Might as well just jump into it and have yourself some fun. But no truth, and always battle with truth. Remember the Bible says that Paul disputed with them, argued, disputed with them. Paul did. So he says here, in verse 4, and saying, this is what they say. Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the evolution. Is it, oh, creation. Oh, yeah, 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 it does say that. All things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. In other words, nothing's changed. Everything's the same. Nothing's going on. All of his promises, don't believe them. But he says, wait, 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 wait. Did I make a promise back there with a man named Noah that there was going to be a flood and it'd be 120 years, that there's going to be rain and I was going to destroy everybody that wasn't in the ark? Did I keep my word? He kept his word. So you see, they're ignorant, willingly ignorant of truth. We got people like that today trying to rewrite history because they don't like the way our founding fathers laid out the Constitution. Now they're trying to find everything wrong with our founding fathers so that we don't have to believe the Constitution because it's just a piece of junk. It is not a living document. It was written. It's stated. It's solid. It doesn't have to be messed with. But we have people today that don't like that because it grants to us freedoms. And they don't like us having all this freedom. See, government don't trust you. They don't trust us. So they got to control us. That's why they don't want you really to be educated in school. They want to teach you what to think, but not how to think. Because, you see, you can control animals and herd cows and so forth like that because see, they, they, they don't think. Well, you got to get people. you got to dumb them down where they can't think for themselves. They don't know the Constitution. They don't know their rights. They don't know. When you're ignorant, you're easy to enslave. You cannot enslave free people that are intelligent, that know truth. Because they know truth. And they can spot it. But there's other people that don't know. What he feeds me, I will swallow. Oh. So he says here, all things continue, he says in verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. When it says, whereby the world that then was, that's past tense. But the heavens and the earth which are now, that's present tense. By the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire. That's future. So you have past, present, and future. God knows what he's doing. And God keeps his word. And God does not, is not slack concerning his promise as other men count slackness. In other words, time doesn't mean that much with God like it does with us. In other words, we think of uh, a thousand years. Well, that's a long time. 
God says it's just like that. See what he says in verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God kept his word the first time, going to keep his word the second time. But you've got to believe the promises of God. So in verse 8 he says, but beloved, be not ignorant. Now they up there, they're willingly ignorant. But he says to his brethren, don't be ignorant. He says, this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Whew. This is why some people believe that uh, there's a good possibility that from Adam and Eve uh, to the flood, you know, about 2,000 years, and from flood to the cross of 2,000 years, and it's been almost 2,000 years since, uh, six days. And we know that the millennial reign upon the earth is going to be a day. That's the Sabbath day. you got six days. Rest on the Sabbath day, 6,000 years, you got seven. And so it's a, a day of rest, so you've got a week. And there's a, a lot of truth probably to it. But if it is true, we're living at the end of the sixth day, which means that uh, Christ is supposed to come back very soon. See, the tribulation period, the seven years tribulation period, is part of the sixth day. The seventh day is a totally separate period of time. I have uh, a lot of material that, uh, if I live long enough, I would like to do a series on uh, the 70 weeks of Daniel and the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. It would last until the rapture. Uh, I haven't decided yet. Do I do what? I want to do that on Sunday school on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night or Sunday morning church service? Uh, you know, it's hard to know exactly when to, to do something that, because there's so, there's so much. I like to start on Sunday morning and just keep going all day until I get it done. <laughs> you know, you just you get some water and take a break and come back and we continue, you know. You know, the longest sermon I ever preached was three and a half hours. I told the people, I says, uh, to be here tonight, I says, I've got the, a sermon, but it's going to be a three and a half hour sermon. <laughs> I didn't know how close I came. It was three and a half hours. Uh down at Florida Bible College, uh, they, they heard about that sermon, and they flew me all the way down to Florida Bible College on a Wednesday night and asked me if I'd preach that sermon to the students at FBC. So uh, I, I did. But I, I managed to cut it down to about two and a half hours because it was late and it was tired and so forth, and they worked hard all day. And I ought to preach that sermon, but I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to do it. <laughs> Just spring it on you. Just spring it on you. And then see just where you are spiritually. You know, whether or not you can take it or you got to. But it was, all good. it was on prayer, so that you know. It was on it was a sermon on prayer. Some of them were praying that I'd get through. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. But anyway, he says he, that this world is being reserved because there's going to be a fire at the end of it. Is there a fire coming? God's going to renovate this earth by fire. It's going to be one big old ball of fire. It's going to burn everything up. So it's everything in this world is going to be consumed. Everything's going to burn up. And talking about global warming. <laughs> now, I have no idea where Al Gore is going to be at this time. I, I don't know. But it, what was interesting at one time, he was um, being interviewed by Barbara Walters. And uh, my friend out in Colorado that went to our Christian school, uh, Greg Steer, has a Dare to Share ministry. He wrote a book called Outbreak. And it, it was sold everywhere. And... Uh, so the camera kind of zoomed in on me, you know, 
and sitting on his desk on the, on, in the table was the book, Outbreak Book. Now, and, and it's got the gospel in it. I don't know if he ever read it or not. I wish he had him. But he might have. You never know. He just got a lot of teaching that hasn't maybe got yet. But anyway, look what he says here in verse uh, 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. One day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. So time is not the same as it is with us. It looks like a long time for us. When God says, um, I'm coming back, we say a thousand years. We've been waiting two days, two thousand years. That's a long time. He says, but God is not slack concerning the promises. God will keep his word. Let's see there in verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants every person to change his mind and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to have eternal life. God's given us a chance to reach as many people as we choose to reach. Wouldn't it be great if we could reach the world from this church right here? Now, like Hank was on the radio and the television up there, I mean, they was reaching it all over. And it made a great impact. And uh, maybe we'd like to see those days again. It ain't over yet. Look there in verse 10. Verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, this day of the Lord, I believe, is a reference to the tribulation period because he's talking here about the thief in the night. The thief in the night is when not when he comes for the rapture. Uh, that's when he comes in the night. See, there's a day, there's a night, and there's a day. We are children of the day, church age. The night is the tribulation period. What separates two days? A night. And so when Christ comes and takes us out of here, the thief comes at this time, the thief in the night, the specific day of the Lord. Now get what he says on he says, in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now you have going from one or where we are to what's going to happen. All this is based on the promises of God. There's going to be the thief in the night when Christ comes back and judges the earth. Then you still got a thousand year reign. Then he's talking about the renovation of the earth by fire. It's kind of like in one verse, whew, all the things that are coming. He said, I just want to stir up your remembrance. Because I want you to live godly. And so he says here, And the elements shall melt with fervor and heat. Now many believe this is talking about the cracking apart of the atoms, the loud noise, the fervor and heat, and the cracking apart, the melting, and all that stuff. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Burned up. So that doesn't happen right there at the end of the tribulation period, but it does happen whenever God brings down fire and the earth is renovated by fire. Let's see what in verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Talking about the earth itself. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy behavior? That word conversation refers to also not what you say, but also what you do. Your manner of life and godliness. So God says that we should live a separated life. We should be godly because of his promises. He is coming back just like he said he's coming back. Now, he's going to take us out of here. And I think we ought to live like we believe he's coming back soon. He says in verse 12, the way you live is because of what you're looking for. See, look, looking for and hastening unto underline, coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire, 
shall be dissolved. The elements shall melt with fervor and heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promises, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. So, see, we're looking beyond this life. We're looking beyond the tribulation period. We're looking way beyond the thousand-year reign upon the earth. We're looking past the great white throne judgment. And lo and behold, there it is, the new heavens and the new earth. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me